Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast, All Jargon Aside. This is a monthly podcast where we invite expert guests to talk about the topics where we see advertising, technology, data and science intersecting. On All Jargon Aside, our aim is to try and cut through the jargon, myths and general noise and really get to the heart of a matter. I'm Graham Wilkinson, your podcast host, and today we're going to be talking about data innovation. And our guest and subject matter expert today is... Joanne Stone, your Chief Data Officer for MasterCard. Welcome, Joanne. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into things, we normally like to ask our guests to share a crazy but true fact about themselves. Not sure that this fits the category of crazy, but um, most people would not suspect that the Chief Data Officer of MasterCard also has a design career. Uh, For over 15 years, um, I've had my own interior design practice, and I've been an adjunct professor at Pratt Institute where I teach in their design management master's program. But if you really want a crazy thing that I've done, um, I've actually done paragliding, which is you jump off a cliff with a paraglide parachute on your back and it opens and then you get to glide peacefully down off a cliff onto a beautiful beach. So um, that might be the crazy part that you were looking for. So it's actually really, really beautiful and memorable and gorgeous. And I highly recommend it, although you sign your life away in waivers. So uh, the attorney in me doesn't like that one so much, but the experience is magnificent. Thank you for sharing that, Joanne. I think that definitely kind of breaks the mold of what people would typically think of somebody that has data in their (laughs) job title. So That's our guest today. In recent years, it feels like data has become a polarizing topic in both our personal and working lives, one that's just impossible to avoid. The spectrum of feelings about the subject stretched so broadly, with some people willing to live off the grid to avoid being assimilated into the machine, and others in awe at the power and wonder of data when used for something that benefits humanity, something like a cure for COVID. There's no disputing that data needs to be used responsibly. And we've talked on this show before about the ethical use of data, but how do we really unleash the full potential of data when it's so alluring yet so divisive? Joanne, I presume a main focus of your role as Chief Data Officer at MasterCard is striking that balance between ethics and innovation with data, all within the confines of a a brand that people entrust with their transactions. So would you mind giving us some insight into how you go about approaching that and striking that balance? Sure. I think that everything you're saying is absolutely true. I think that we live in a data-driven age, and I think that that means both positive things for society, and that also, because data can't always be seen, I think that there's a bit of mystery around data, which makes people also concerned about how data is being used. And at MasterCard, being the chief data officer means making sure that we have the data that we need for innovation, while balancing that with both current risks and future risks, as well as adopting what we think is an ethical and responsible approach to using that data. We recognize that individuals entrust us with their data every time they swipe or tap or use their card for a transaction, whether that's online or in the physical world, that those transactions go through our system and people want to make sure that their transactions are safe and secure, and that they understand the uses of data are simple. Being the data officer, it means I have to balance the idea that 
in the world that's evolving so quickly, we need to use data for innovative purposes, right? People want to be able to transact simply, but that means we have to keep pace with the world around us as it continues to change. And so as we innovate with data, we need to understand the data that's both currently available, as well as other types of data that need to be blended in with ours, as well as understanding what are the risks that we have to understand, whether it's privacy risk, whether it's security risk, or as data risk evolves, what about data quality risk, the accuracy of data, the completeness of data. And as we think about things like machine learning and artificial intelligence, how do we account for things that are becoming more obvious for us, things like bias in data sets, how are we applying our data insights, are we being inclusive in how we think about things? And so all of that becomes part of what we call our data responsibility profile and what we think we have to consider as we begin to use data more and more to solve both commercial problems and societal problems. Given the kind of very nature of the, the business that you're in, I mean, you guys have really been in the, the data business as we think about it in, in, in this day and age for, you know, for a long, long time, right? And, yeah. and data permeates every part of your business so when it's kind of when it really does touch every bit of your business how do you you know personally in your role but also how does mastercard just thinking about how do you think about getting an understanding and a, and a picture of where data sits in every element of mastercard and how does how does it flow throughout the business I think you're right. I mean, we've been a data company before that term was even used, right? Data has flowed across our systems globally for over 50 years, right? If you think about your credit card information, right, and we just see the card number, the date, time, and place of the transaction as individuals transact around the globe. And we, we literally, by the time I finish that sentence, right, we have processed millions of transactions, right, that flow as you're standing there waiting for that approval code. That means your card is good. It hasn't been lost or stolen. We've checked that there's no fraud on your account, right? These are all um, uses of data, right, that have happened over a min in minutes or seconds, right? But nobody has really understood that or thought that through. And we've been a data company that has really been making sure that transactions are safe and simple and secure. But when you think about today, right, and what does data responsibility really mean, it means using data in a way that respects and honors individuals. Because we really do understand more and more that your data footprint really is an extension usually of yourself, right? And that individuals need to have the right to control their data, understand how their data is being used and why, and that they should also understand the benefits that they're receiving from that use, right? So when you think about how we use data, you should understand that we're using it to understand cyber, right? And what's going on on our systems and prevent cyber attacks on our systems, right? Because our data, the financial transactions, right? are of interest to cyber criminals, right? That we wanna prevent fraud from happening on your card. So what we do is we look at all transactions to understand patterns of fraud. We also wanna make sure that privacy is respected, right? That your personal information is just that, that it's personal, it's yours, and that we will not sell it to anybody, right? That we, we go very, very far in protecting personal information. And of course, that the transactions are secure. We've been doing security for, uh, before I think people were talking about information security, we've always been trying to protect the information on our systems. But we also have to understand that data is part of innovation. And so while we believe individuals need to have those rights, well, what does that mean for organizations, right? And in return then, 
what are the responsibilities of organizations like MasterCard and what are the responsibilities that we've then listed in as part of our responsibility as we look at how we use data, right? So ensuring world-class data security and privacy is almost table stakes in this day and age, right? We need to make sure that we're transparent about our data practices and give individuals control when over their personal data, right? So you can opt out of having your data used in our analytics, right? We anonymize transactions, right? We take out all the personal attributes, which is really the account number, before we start looking at economic patterns of information, which is really the type of analysis that we do, aside from fraud analytics, because we understand that governments and our merchants and our banks want to understand what's going on from an economic perspective. Um, we also believe that it's really important that organizations like mine are accountable, that we always are thinking about how would a cardholder um, think about how we're using information? Does it make sense? Is it something that's really expected for MasterCard that we might create an econometric report? Does that make sense given our data profile? Or is that like so far afield that it would surprise them? Do we handle data increasingly with integrity? Things like I just mentioned about good data quality, right? Deliberate minimization of bias in our data, making sure that our data is consistent, right? That it has the right information contained therein, that we're making sure that we prevent fake data sets, which is becoming increasingly an issue in the world that we live in. We also maintain a commitment for innovation, that we're going to continuously try to improve our products and solutions both on the commercial side and increasingly we have a commitment that we will also use our data for social impact, right? And that's increasingly important as this world of ours is going through this moment in time with COVID. And we're handling, I would say, multiple crises at the same time. Well, we certainly have a health crisis, but we also have an economic crisis and a social crisis happening. And we realize that our world is changing in a very rapid way. And so we also are, are working with governments and others to understand what are the impacts from those aspects as well. You, you raised a, a, a plethora of interesting points there, but um, well, I'm going to come back to some of the societal challenges. But one thing I kind of, I, I would love to hear your perspective on is, I think people that generally work with data or even people that just touch data from a business perspective, not consumers, how do you teach them to have the respect for a commodity like data that, say, somebody who, who let's use a, a, you know, a, a really rudimentary example, but a farmer who grows something, right? They can feel the thing that they grow and they, they respect those goods and they treat them with care before they hand it off to a consumer. When somebody can't touch and feel data, how do you get employees in MasterCard to, to have the utmost respect for it when what it really stands for is something very deeply personal to a human being? Not all data is personal, so we should say that too, right? So when it is personal, we need to, we, we, we teach our employees an awful lot of things. So first of all, I think our employees are aware of the following. When it is personal data, we oftentimes ask them to think about themselves, but oftentimes our employees, because they are very data literate, that's not the best example. So oftentimes you'll hear me speak about my 16-year-old nephew and his grandmother, right? Because we want to talk about individuals at different points on the spectrum, right? So it's not always helpful to only talk about people who are in the middle of their business career, who are perhaps using data day in and day out, but talk about people who are beginning their data journey, a teenager, right? 
or people who the data journey is foreign to them because it was not part of their life cycle or it emerged later in their lifetime, right? And so the data represents them, right? And so we, we talk a lot about what is the impact to individuals, both in the data we might be using, but a lot of our data is not personal because we remove the personal attributes. But beyond that though, what is going to be the potential impact of this product or solution or insight that we are trying to create, right? What is the potential impact on individuals to whom this may be applied? And so that really begins to change the conversation because we do have a lot of products and solutions from a financial perspective in particular, right, that are going to actually impact somebody's life or it's going to actually impact communities, right? So we do a lot of work with governments and, and our banks that are you know, looking at potential investments in different areas, right? Saying, well, this would be a good place to potentially invest and put a school or a hospital. Well, that's gonna impact that community. Well, what's the impact to the community? Make it very real with the people, right? And then what we have done is we've created the right processes, governance and data management methodologies, right, as we do what we call our product and solution development to make sure that we help our colleagues think through how do we use our data, how do we develop our analytics, how do we develop our data science, our machine learning and AI, so that our products and solutions are thought through end-to-end -end at all the different phases of development and design so that we not only understand the impact today, but that we're also looking ahead into the future because we also understand that Data doesn't exist in isolation. It's part of usually larger ecosystems. And we have to think that through as well. They're things that any business could could really take and, and learn from. I mean, I'm a strong believer that, that you know, when you work for a brand or a business, you, you should understand how users interact with that brand and even be a consumer of that brand yourself. And, um, you know, that does offer up a, a huge amount of respect then for what it means to be, um, you know, an advocate for that brand or, or somebody who represents that brand, whether it's in managing data or any other part of the business. But you've mentioned a, a few times ethical innovation. Would you be able to kind of expand on, on that topic and what you mean when you're referring to that? Sure. So, I mean, ethics, we have to be careful when we use the word ethics, right? Because ethics oftentimes have the roots in a given society's point of view and culture, right? So our ethics in the United States can be different from a culture in Asia, for example, right? You know, based on our kind of Judeo-Christian ethics, right? That's where most of the United States' ethics come up compared to Confucius, right? The philosophy of Confucius, right? Which is uh, the greater good wins rather than a kind of individualistic type of perspective. So I, I oftentimes have to say that because pure ethics is a very, very specific and, and given field. Is that one of the reasons you use that word? Because it does adapt to different cultures and locations? It does, but what we when what we usually talk about inside of MasterCard is data responsibility, right? Which is a much broader and I think more accountable phrase, right? That then gives me my colleagues. Um, we have to be accountable with the data use, right? I think ethics is something that's a broader term that multiple parties have come to as the broader term around what do we think about the intended and both and unintended consequences of data and how do you navigate that? And how do you navigate that in context, right? Data is used in lots of different contexts around the globe. And so I do think ethics, because ethics 
are in different contexts around the globe is a broader term that can be used in that way. To keep something like, you know, responsibility with data or innovation or anything like that on, on track within in a brand, do you, do you know, do you have a set of guiding principles around, around um, either data or around something like, like AI where, it, you know, I know there's a lot of big businesses that, that, that have written charters that say they won't create AI, AI that does harm or, um, you know, it has to be of benefit, it has to be of use. You, you know, do you, do, do you have those things in place? The principles that I just listed earlier are our data responsibility principles. There are four principles for the individual and six principles that MasterCard has committed to. We also have governance processes for specific activities, including an AI governance process, right? That looks at both um, our data quality, there's a whole process of looking at the types of information we use for machine learning and AI, as well as all of our data analytics. We do a series of screens for bias in our data, right? Everything from population bias, sampling bias, confirmation bias, but biases have to be looked at across the, the, the spectrum, both from a data input perspective, the analytic perspective, as well as outputs. We use in our analytic process for AI and machine learning, we monitor for drift and bias of the algorithms themselves before we use them. We have a very stringent process where we actually use AI to explain what the initial AI is doing so we can understand if it's actually something with the data, something with the model, or is it actually the result? And is the result what we actually want? Or is there some type of drift going on that's accurate or is it bias? And then before we actually will put any product or solution into market. So I don't know that, um, I know that a lot of organizations say do no harm, but I think you have to look at the governance process to be really, really crisp and clear on what are the different uses that you deploy AI for. Most of our artificial intelligence right now is a lot of it's used in fraud uh, analytics, but we're, we're deploying it in a very, very thoughtful way. Given that we're right now in the first generation of machine learning and artificial intelligence, but as a machine really begins to learn from this first generation, we know that this is a very important moment in time where we have to be very careful what we're teaching it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, one one of the keys to to working with AI is is, is thinking about how a user um, interacts with it, and that could be a user internally that's interpreting the the output. Maybe it's a, a you know flagging some kind of fraud, or maybe it's an actual consumer. One of the things we do is we work with our our UX team to 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 try and ideate how somebody will interact with this solution even before we've kind of built it because i think that gives a really you know good lean towards the types of interpretations that you may um, end up with whether right or wrong and remember mastercard is mostly a b2b company with a b2c brand right so much of our I, i i agree with what you're saying a lot of our products and solutions are b2b deployed but you're right that we have to think about them and their impacts from a b2b2c perspective right but Absolutely agree with all your points. On on the point of impact, I, I know that you, um, in a recent interview you did with Sheila Colclasia, you talked about solving societal problems and and you know having an impact on society. Yeah. What what kind of societal problems do you do you think or hope that you you would see data solving in the future? 
Oh, in the future? How about just today? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, you know, MasterCard is a deep commitment to using our data to solve social problems and to have kind of positive social impact. We recognized that, you know, we, we had, like many other organizations, philanthropic commitment and uh, used our resources, like our money, right? And our people, right? Donating time, like a lot of other organizations. And we began to realize also that our technology, right? We have a very, we're very big technology company that could also be put to use. But then as we worked with organizations, academic organizations and nonprofits, we began to understand that our data could also be used for good, right? And uh, so we started working with a number of different organizations to understand, well, what would that mean? And how do you do that while honoring security, while honoring privacy, while also honoring, you know, the individuals that, you know, place their trust in MasterCard just from a commercial purpose. And so it took us a while to really think through all the issues, but we've really accelerated how we use our data. And we have a very specific governance program around this. Um, how do we use data insights to help solve different issues related to social impact? And I've been surprised, even as the data officer, the types of things that our data can be helpful for. So let me give you some examples. We just went through a terrible storm here in the Northeast, right? I didn't have power for uh, quite a number of days. But what our data can tell after there are large weather events, climate events, is when merchants are coming back online, right? Because they begin to process transactions. Well, that's incredibly helpful information, not only for our customers, our individual consumers to know that they can now go shopping someplace, they can go get ice or water or groceries, right? Or gasoline, oftentimes is one of the first things that people need to power their own generators, right? So we, we are able to create create solutions, right, for even emergency workers to know that they can gas up the electric trucks, right, or that they can, uh, or the refrigerator trucks that are being brought in to provide ice, right. Our data is often used to create these type of social impact solutions that are not really commercial solutions, right, but they're the type of solutions that help society get back on their feet after large climactic events, right. So that's just one example. But we've created in cooperation as we brainstorm with governments and nonprofit organizations that serve underserved populations, we've discovered that we can help farmers who may want to understand how to get their goods to market in, in areas where there's less economic information, but our transaction information and merchant information can be put together along with government information to be able to get their goods into market in a more timely manner. We have worked with local governments to also help them understand the impact of COVID-19 on issues ranging from the anticipated change in tax revenue impact, right? As well as just, as I mentioned earlier, the availability of different providers as the economic impact of the virus has been felt in different areas, both temporarily as businesses close temporarily during shutdowns and quarantines, but also as we're beginning to see the longer term impacts, right? So these are some of the ways that our data is very powerful. And then we also work with governments as they're thinking about making investments, right? So they look at um, one city, looks at another city, and what was the impact of some type of infrastructure investment? And if they do a similar type of investment in the same type of area, what could that do for commerce? So we do some lookalike modeling. All of this is what we call data for social impact. We also work with academic institutions on very specific projects. 
where the academic researcher will come on board as what we call a data fellow and work alongside with our data scientists on specific areas of research. So it, it really can run the gamut. The things you just listed were fantastic and, and such a kind of broad spectrum of, of different different applications. But do you, you know, do you have um, a, a group or a process in place that teases these kind of things out? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, data governance is part of my responsibility. We have a governance board just for data for social impact, right? So anything that we do in this area is run through a process, just like our commercial process, um, any of our new products and solutions that we develop on the commercial, what I call the commercial side, which means just for sale. All of that, we have a process, a product development process on the commercial side. It's the same thing on the social impact side. We have a, a team that includes representatives both on both teams, actually, from privacy, security, from technology, right, as well as my team, that reviews what are the different aspects of any product or solution and what are the impacts. On the social impact side, we also have people that are part of our philanthropic groups, right, the, the groups that are working with the government. So it may be somebody from our smart cities team. It might be somebody from the public-private partnerships team that actually will bring the idea either from the researcher, right, or the idea to work with a government agency and we vet what the opportunity is and we put the rules of the road together all the way down through a contract that will include rigorous check-ins, reviews of the work, you know, uh, ways that we even exchange the information, look at publication or pre-publication documents and actually will review the actual data science before it's uh, released or even used. So yeah, all of that is part of our governance for sure. I mean, that's amazing. And I, I think that's what data ethics is in practice, right? People talk about ethics, but I think until you really understand how your data is being used and that everybody's part of that process and that everybody in the company understands that you just can't use data willy-nilly without being responsible. And that's what I mean by data responsibility, right? That everybody understands that um, you, you called it a commodity. We call it a very specific resource, right? It's a very, very important resource for us. And everybody, ha it's everybody's responsibility to take care with this resource and to understand that if we want to use it, everybody's got to be part of the conversation so that we use it in a very responsible and wise manner to innovate. And how do you get it? How do you get that type of information into the, the hands of, of the consumers who are concerned about what happens with the data? Because I think the, the reason I use the word commodity is because it, that is unfortunately the way that data is spoken about in the oh. world now. And, and that, that creates a lot of the problems, right? But I think if people knew that there are, there, there are good actors out there as well as bad actors that are doing uh, amazing things for society, then, then perceptions can change and people, you know, are, are, are more willing and trusting um, because they feel that there is a, a responsibility attached to, to ownership of this. How, how do you get that across to people? I think we talk about it in context of what we are delivering, right? I don't think that we, again, because we're a B2B company with a B2C brand, we talk about it in what we're actually delivering right? We have a partnership with the Rockefeller Foundation, data.org, where we do talk about what we're delivering to society, right? But we do it in partnership a lot, right? We'll talk about it with our data fellows, right? Researchers from Harvard and, and Georgetown and folks like that, right? We do let other people shine with us, right? But we think that that's the right way to go, right? Because it's not only about MasterCard. It's about amazing 
governments, right? It's about amazing academic institutions. It's about amazing civil society organizations, right? Like HUPA, right? That tries to help children, right? In Africa. We, we try to work in partnership often, right? Because we do believe, you know, MasterCard is a connector kind of company. That's really where what our roots are, right? If you really think about what we do. We believe that all boats rise together when we do it in partnership and that consumers will understand it in the context rather than trying to explain it in a generality, right? It's much more interesting when they understand what we're doing specifically than for us to just talk about data generally. Because data, when you talk about it generally, that's when it's this big, scary thing, right? But when you understand what I'm doing specifically, it's much more reassuring to hear about the specifics and then to understand the governance, the control, the care, the responsiveness of my organization, than for me just to go out and talk about the second half of that conversation without talking about the specific use and innovation, right? So that's how we do it. I agree, not all companies are doing that, right? But that's how we've chosen to do it. I, I love that, you know, being responsible to to you, uh, a MasterCard clearly is not just about, you know, some of the practical things that people generally think about being responsible, but even to the extent that you feel that it seems to me that you feel that you have a responsibility as being one of the original data companies to, as you said, kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. If you can help other businesses to 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 leverage data responsibly, then then it, it will impact the world and society in a positive way. There's IQ and there's EQ, right? Intelligence and emotional intelligence, right? So we, we talk about that a lot, right? At MasterCard, we actually talk about the decency quotient, right? And how do you want to be remembered? And how do you want to show up? Right. And that's what the decency quotient is for us. And so and, we, and it's really a very living, breathing thing in our culture. And it's and I think we each take it personally, but it also is part of how I think our company wants to show up in the world. Right. How do we want to be remembered? Right. And when you really approach things from that perspective and when you talk about it and it comes to life, it's really easy to get people on board to doing the right thing right? Because how do you want to be remembered in this one wonderful life that you have to live, right? You want to be remembered as generous, right? You want to be remembered, uh, and when it comes to data, that you were responsible and that you gave it good care and that you wanted to do the right thing. I mean, look, no company is perfect. You know, we stumble like everybody else, but we try, right? We try to think this through and look, it's hard because there's no roadmap, right? This is a whole new world for a lot of people, you know, data is and the digital world we're living in. I mean, who knew, right? I mean, a mere, you know, in at the start of 2020, that we were going to be living in this very virtual world with this crazy virus, right? And so there's been an awful lot of change in just a very short amount of time. If you look at it instead as, well, this is this is what we have. And so it's an opportunity to adapt to change rather than struggle against it, right? Well, then that helps with the attitude. And I do think that this notion of being decent to each other, being generous with each other, sharing what we have is one of the ways that we are a little bit different than maybe some other companies. And I think maybe it shows up in some of our approaches. I personally think that it's a, a really refreshing approach to take. And, um, you know, certainly around such a, a potentially divisive topic as as data, we've, we've covered a lot of ground there, Joanna, and I appreciate you um you diving into a lot of a lot of different topics there for me so look, every episode we like to have a bit of fun 
and test our guests on the, their knowledge of a topic with um, with the lightning jargon round. So in, in honor of you, the theme is credit card history. Uh-oh. We're calling this jargon round, how good is your credit history? So each question will have a series of multiple choice answers. And um, I'm just going to jump straight in if you're ready. I'm going to be really bad at this. I'm a data girl. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's see. So question number one, the Interbank Card Association introduced Master Charge, the Interbank Card in 1969. In what year was the card officially named MasterCard? Was it A, 1972, B, 1976, C, 1978, or D, 1979? I'm going to go with 72, but I might be wrong. 79. See, I don't know. I really don't know. (laughs) We've got five more questions. So question number two. Among all the well-known credit cards today, which one was the first to be introduced as a dining and entertainment credit card? A, American Express, B, Diners, C, Discover, or D, MasterCard? I hate to say this, but I think it's actually, um, I know everybody's going to think it's American Express, but I actually think Diners was ahead of them. Yep, correct. Okay, (laughs) got one. (laughs) There you go. Go Back to to an even keel. Question number three. What year was the first credit card hologram introduced? 1975. 1977, 1983, or 1987? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's 87. I think it's that late. Close. It was 83. So it, it was created. Oh, the patent, I think, is an 87. Ask the okay. right question. <laughs> That's it. I, I should have framed these as legal questions. See, yeah, then I'd have a better shot. I think the patent was an 87. You might be right. I think I might be right too. Though. Can I get half a point for that one? <laughs> my disclaimer is always that I don't write these questions. So if they're wrong, it's not my fault. I think it's the hologram. Is in, I think it was patented in 87 because I work. I helped work on that. Uh, okay. so, uh, that's why I'm like, I'm pretty sure it, it was late, but I think that's why. Okay. So question number four, how long does a company's data controllers have to notify the supervisory authority of a personal data breach? It depends on the jurisdiction. <laughs> is it well I'll, I'll i'll give the options here so is it a 12 hours b 24 hours c 48 hours or d 72 hours it really does depend on which where are you it's usually it's not later than 72 for the gdpr okay so is that where are you going 72 yeah so what one thing i'll say joanne is when when we had sheila colclasure on this this podcast she's one of the other few people who's who's argued the validity of some of our answers (laughs) (laughs) sheila and i are big buds we go back a long way so i feel better (laughs) we've got two more questions to go these are true or false the concept of using a card for purchases was described in an 1887 utopian novel 1887 novel that describes credit card purchases. I have no idea. This one I might know. I mean, I'm thinking. True. I I thought you needed me to name the novel. I'm sorry. No, it's true. No, no, no. It's like a science fiction novel, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. Correct. 
an Edward Bellamy novel um, called Looking Backward. The last question, question number six, true or false? If companies don't meet the obligations of GDPR, they'll face fines of up to 1% of their global annual turnover or 1 million euros, whichever is higher. Um, it's actually higher than that, so that's false. Correct. Four out of six, that's, that's pretty good. Work. Actually, I think it's five out of six for that one that you won't give me the point. You know what we should have done? We should have got Sheila's score as well so that we compared the two. <laughs> Thought it was going to be worse. But the, it's bad that I got the first one wrong. So don't tell my, my colleagues. Okay, so that's nearly all we have time for today. But before we go, I'd like to ask one more question. Joanne, what practical steps should budding innovators be taking right now to allow them to leverage the full potential of data in, in the future? I think potential innovators need to understand that data is all around us and that they need to be thinking how to design really carefully with data, understanding that no matter how careful any one organization is with data, that data is meant in this day and age to be shared and will cross over into other organizations. So what is the responsible approach to data innovation when you know that it's going to be shared and that trust has to be built across ecosystems and across society? So there you go, budding innovators out there. That's um, Joanne's advice for you. And that's all we have time for today. So I'd like to thank Joanne for joining us. As a reminder, All Jargon Aside is a monthly podcast, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for our next episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us about anything we discussed today, you can reach us at alljargonaside at kineso.com or using the hashtag alljargonaside, or you can reach me on the Twitter handle at Wilkie Graham. And if you like our podcast, remember to rate, review, and share us. I've been your host, Graham Wilkinson. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.